Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Rulur Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari, and I am here in Colorado uh, speaking remotely to our good friend over at Rulur in London, Peter Stewart. Peter, how's it going over there? I'm good, thanks, Dan. Uh, well, I'm not perfect. I did actually get vaccinated yesterday, so I'm having minor side effects. And I'm being awfully grumpy with my wife because my arm hurts and I had a bit of a fever. But <laughs> actually, get yourself vaccinated because it's an absolute ball. I recommend it to everyone. And, you know, once you're vaccinated, the world's your oyster. Yes. The world opens up, and that's that's lovely. Well, I, I just spent two nights in the woods here in Colorado camping, and I feel wonderfully recharged, uh, and, and I'm a little sore in the back, but I'm okay. Otherwise, it's been, a, it's been a great couple days. But today, we're not talking about camping. We're talking about road tubeless. Now, you know, you, we've all heard the term, but I think there's actually a little bit of confusion as to actually what, what is road tubeless. Uh, is it simply a matter of yanking the tube out? So... I think there's more to it than that. Peter, what's what's the basic rundown of what road tubeless is? Well, I'll do my best to explain this uh, concisely without getting into jargon, and I'll almost inevitably fail, but we'll see how we go. Um, so, you know, pretty much in the past, you had two formats of tyre, you know, de- dating back to the early 20th century. You had the tubular tyre, uh, a carcass that's stitched up, that is glued literally to a rim, a tubular tyre, a tub, and that is what people have raced on until, you know, they probably still race on tubular tyres that are sealed tyres with inner tubes inside. Clinchers, by, by contrast, which almost everyone listening to this will have used, you know, are obviously uh, a tyre that's effectively open that seals in a bead inside a rim and inside is an inner tube that offers the inflation. Now, that's all quite basic, but then it gets complicated when, as you say, you remove the inner tube because, in theory, on a normal clincher tyre, nothing would happen. It would not inflate because it's not sealed. It's not airtight. So you just have a deflated tyre that's going to not be awfully comfortable or quick. So what Tubeless does is it introduces technology that says, you know, the tyre has been redesigned to be airtight, obviously, to be slightly tighter. So within the ETRTO specified range, it'll be slightly tighter fit compared to the range of the rim. So it's always a little bit harder to get on, which is obviously a big complaint, but You'll probably touch on that later. And then within that, the inside of the rim has to be sealed so that there can be no air escape into the rim hole, the spoke holes and things like that. And then the last element is obviously the sealant, the goo that is the bane of many people's lives and is probably the biggest opponent to the tube of success because people just think, what is this goo? I don't know what this is. I don't, I don't want it near me, understandably. And that is effectively what seals any minor 
any minor gaps when you're seating the tyre, which is when you put this high influx of air in. And also, the magic of tubeless, it seals small punctures when they happen as you go, so your tyre magically self-heals itself from punctures, which is incredible when you think about it. You know, and it's an obvious huge advantage, alongside the advantages of not having an attitude, having less weight, all that stuff. But anyway, I won't bore everyone with that. Well, so the, the, the basic rundown here is that it, you eliminate the tube, but the that doesn't mean that all the tires and the rims are all the same as they were before. So that means that everything has to be re-engineered uh, to work as a tubeless setup. So to get into those nuts and bolts, uh, I spoke with, yes, we have a guest on the show today. Uh, I spoke with Sam Bresson, who is uh, the uh, global road uh, marketing uh, manager over at Pirelli. Uh, tires, and he had a lot to say about the benefits of tubeless setups, uh, the differences between tubeless tires and rims uh, from from clincher setups uh, that that run a tube, uh, and all the ins and outs of, of road tubeless. So, let's go ahead and listen to the interview I did with Sam, uh, and he gives us a really wonderful in-depth look at what road tubeless is. There are two main aspects uh, which makes a tubeless tire different than a regular one, which are the casing construction. So the casing needs to uh, help to retain the air, even if the casing uh, by itself is not enough to keep the pressure, especially for road racing, where the pressure is uh, on average higher than mountain bike for sure. So when we go above four, five, six bars, the air tends to go through the casing, but it, it has to be retained uh, uh, to a certain point. So the casing needs to be kind of airtight, so as to have uh, uh, less, uh, as to be less porous uh, with higher density to help the sealant to work, otherwise it's not enough. And then at the bead side, you need a bead which is tighter in diameter, stronger in terms of retention, so the material itself needs to be stronger, stronger. and also let me say the shape, so the contour of the bead itself needs to couple with the rim wall uh, in a better way. So you, you usually you add more rubber and you tend, tend to change the profile of the bead itself. Those are the two main features. That's one of the things that has been a major complaint with road tubeless users is that it's hard to get those tires on the rim. Um, and and in re- I would say in recent years, that's, that's actually become less of a problem, uh, at least in my experience. And, and we'll touch on that in a moment as to why, but uh, if you have a, a, if you actually have an answer for that, I'd love to hear it. Uh, but it does seem like in the last few years that it has been easier to get tires on the rim and to get them seated. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to ask about things like uh, you know your your uh, rubber compounds. We've seen things like silica and and graphene added to the tires. Um, do those have a function f- as, as far as uh, the tubeless aspect of the tire? I mean, is it something that helps uh, the tire retain air better, seal punctures better, anything like that? By themselves, no, or not necessarily. But in the moment that you consider them, grip, rolling, and all the tire features are the result of a system of components interacting to each other. Uh, then uh, there is uh, there is uh, an interaction of the rubber compound and even the thread design uh, in, into how much the whole construction deflects and so uh, the resulting uh, rolling resistance or, uh, or grip. Uh, and in, in the tire it's always like this. I mean, uh, you cannot design anything without taking into consideration the whole uh, interaction between the components. And so in the moment you design a tubeless tire, you change or you can change something in the rubber formulation as well. 
not because the tubule itself is required, but because how it is constructed, you get uh, better performances that allows you to push maybe more the grip because the tubeless is providing the rolling by construction. And so you tweak uh, your rubber formulation in a different way uh, because it's tubeless. It's not mandatory, but it makes sense uh, to do it uh, to a certain extent. But let me say it's uh, at the end a decision that depends on uh, the features that you want your tire to perform. I mean, uh, it's something that you decide uh, when you define uh, uh, the brief of your tire to your uh, R&D department. I want a tire that has to be the fastest of the market and it's tubeless, then you design the compound accordingly. So, yeah, it seems pretty, it seems like a, a, a system and that's, that seems to be the key word with tubeless a lot is, is it, it all works as a system, uh, especially when it's mated to the wheel. And, and I think that's an important point to bring up. We talked briefly about beads, tire beads. Um, there are two types of rims right now uh, in, in, in the cycling world, uh, hooked and hookless, which, you know, seems to make it, it sort of adds an X factor to the whole design process. Um, can you explain briefly what the difference between a hooked rim and a hookless rim is and why it matters when it comes to tubeless tires? Yes. Uh, basically hookless as a, it is for tubeless, uh, it's a, a rim profile where the two walls of the rim are straight basically so you do not have any uh, dumping any any hook which is the name uh, at the end uh, at the end of it uh, in automotive for example or in any other vehicles it's all hookless that let's say that but it's also true from the other side that uh, all the other vehicles they do not use uh, as lightweight tires with Kevlar folding bead as we do in cycling so when you have uh, a, a nucleus tire holding up to a, a heavy truck, uh, you have uh, a steel bit and a really thick. So the whole comparison on that point doesn't make any sense because you are talking about uh, energies uh, involved, which are uh, on a different scale. When you go down to bicycle, uh, the pressure is the thing that makes the whole difference and that's why you see hookless being uh, not a problem at all in mountain bikes because the inflating pressures they are much much lower we are around one to from one to, to two bars you have uh, uh, or 15 to 30 psi uh, you have everything uh, and that's not a, a problem at all Things start to change when you go up to 70, 80, 90, 100 PSI because in that case, especially in the decades uh, in the past, I mean, with the old technology, it became critical to retain the bead within the, the tire. So the hook was functional to that and was key to that. Now for two reasons. One, because technology of rim manufacturing as well as tire manufacturing is improving, those tolerances are becoming less critical. And the second thing, which is the most relevant, is that we are getting wider with tires and rims, and so the inflating pressures in real world they are getting lower. So there is less uh, stress on the interface uh, of uh, the, the rim and the, and the bit itself. So this is helping a lot, the fact that the tires are becoming easier to be mounted. Part of this is just to give listeners a basic understanding of how it works, because in after the break in a moment, we're going to uh, talk about, well, do I need it? What are the benefits? But 
before we get there, you know, we've talked about uh, the tire construction. We've talked about the the bead in particular and hooked versus hookless. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of people do get nervous when they see a hookless rim and they're like, oh, man, is my tire just going to blow right off? Uh, and, you know, why why is it now that hookless rims uh, on road on the roadside are a viable option? What is preventing it from blowing off the rim? It's basically the tolerances of the tires and the material of the bead itself, which got uh, better and better. And the fact that the rims are getting wider requires less diameter tolerances to be mounted. That, that's the point. So by having a wider rim, I have more room inside it, which helps me to mount the tire. In the moment the tire becomes easier to get mounted, the tire manufacturer can reduce the bead diameter, reduce that tolerance that was the critical point of the tire blowing off the rim. So now the, the bead diameters can be tight enough that they will never blow off unless you damage them in the mounting. And that's a point that I would like to touch because before we finish, which is about using the tire levers that can be, can be very risky let's say, or danger if you use the knot with, uh, with the, uh, the right criteria, uh, let me say. But in general, the beads are tighter, the tolerances are tighter, so there is no way. Keep in mind, and that's something that it's not obvious, so I like to, uh, to touch that point, the contact point that retain the tire uh, is uh, the side of the rim, so the vertical wall of the rim, not the hook. So what happens, what happens above the contact point between the bead and the wall of the rim, it's, it's regardless. I mean, it's there uh, as uh, eventually, uh, if something eventually happens, but it's not providing any retain on a correct and normal situation, let's say, where the rim is good, the tolerances are okay, the bead has not been damaged, the hook it doesn't need. It's needed just in case something wrong happens. Uh, okay, so you know basically the the tubeless system and and the most common tubeless systems you're going to encounter now are hookless, uh, and and I think it's just important to repeat here that uh, one of the reasons that you know if you if you were an early adopter of tubeless several years ago and it, and you found that it just wasn't working, it wasn't holding air, or whatever. Uh, one of the reasons you might want to revisit it is because. Uh, as Sam says, you know, the tire manufacturers and the wheel manufacturers have been really working together a lot more uh, symbiotically, we'll say, to ensure that the tolerances uh, between the rim and the tire are tighter. Um, not tighter in terms of, you know, I, it's harder to get the tire on, but tighter in terms of you're not going to lose air uh, and that bead's not going to slip as easily or as readily as it would have five, ten years ago. Um, because the the design of, of both tire and rim have become more precise. And I think it's also important to note for those of you listening, uh, you know, one of the things as somebody who's tested a lot of gear and has written a lot of reviews is I often get emails saying, you know, why, are this, why is this all so expensive? It's so easy to make a car tire. It's so easy to make a, a you know, a motorcycle tire. Why is it so hard for them to get a, a bicycle tire right? And And again, I think it's just important to note that on, on top of all of the technology that has worked on, on every other vehicle for a very long time, we're now talking about reducing weight. And that is the key to all this. It is so hard to jam all of this technology 
into a, a wheel and a tire system while keeping the the weight to a point where road where it will be beneficial to road riders and so all of these constraints play on bicycle tire technology and, and rim technology in a way that doesn't apply necessarily or as stringently to things like car tires or motorcycle tires and i think that's just an important thing to note uh, when somebody is making a purchase uh, of, a, of a bicycle component any bicycle component really is that there's this extra X factor of weight. Uh, and, and that's something that's a consideration across the board. And so not only are we asking engineers to come up with something that works, we're asking them to come up with something that works at a minimal weight. Uh, and that's a very tall order to fill. Um, Sam, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And on the other end of our break, uh, I want to talk about why anybody would need or want tubeless tires. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about a funny little term called hysteresis. And I think that's going to play into our conversation. But first, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Why, hello there. Podcast interruption alert. But I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as six pounds per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shinoui, and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. So my name is Oren Peleg and I'm an investor in Lekka. Three things that really caught my eye. The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people onto wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis, and I believe that two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around companies building on the strong communities that they have, and I think Lacquer's business model in the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. We're back. Dan Cavallari here, uh, Rulor Tech Podcast, and I am with uh, Sam Brasson, uh, Global Marketing Manager at Pirelli Tires, joining me all the way from Milan. And we've been talking road tubeless tires and wheels. And uh, in the uh, first part of the show, we kind of talked a lot about the, the technology behind uh, tubeless, why it works, how it works. Let's talk about why you would need it. Now, a lot of road riders have been riding tubes forever. Or, I mean, a lot of them, if, if they've been racing, they've probably been riding tubulars. Can you give me a quick uh, rundown of what are the advantages of tubeless over these other types of tires uh, in real-world conditions? What am I going to notice when I roll out of my, my driveway or down the road uh, that I won't notice on tubulars or clinchers? Well, to make it very, very easy, everything. Uh, there is a... <laughs> And is that true? I mean, once you get over the mounting procedure, uh, which is slightly more complicated than a, a tube type, and I'm referring basically to the only fact that you have to add the sealant, but once you practice that and you understand that it's not that messy as everybody talks, 
all the other uh, features of a tire, which means how comfortable it is, how fast it is, uh, how grippy it can be, how many absorption of the road you, uh, it can get, it's all better than the, uh, a setup with a tube inside because there is less friction. So at the end there is less friction and you have that sealant on a stronger casing which uh, provides um, a more, uh, let's say, more reliability. So all in all, I cannot think of one single feature, if not the mounting, which is not better on a tubeless setup than any other tubular or tube type. Yeah, I mean, and as somebody who's glued plenty of tubulars in my day, I can say I'd much rather mount a tubeless. <laughs> and so I think with, with tubeless tires, you know, we, I've seen plenty of studies now that are saying that when it comes to the fastest tires, uh, a lot of them are now tubeless. Um, and I think that comes back to that funny term we were talking about, which is hysteresis. Um, can you explain briefly what hysteresis is and why it matters when it comes to tubeless tires? Well, yes. Hysteresis, to keep it simple, is uh, technically related to the rubber itself. You can extend it to the system. So it's the amount of energy which is uh, retained and so converted into uh, heat, basically, or given back to the system uh, under deformation, which in the tire happens when it hits, hits the ground, so in the footprint area, you have the tire deforming. Uh, you usually use it for the rubber, because the rubber is compressed and then released, and the amount of energy which is uh, uh, retained or released is the hysteresis. And it's directly related to rolling resistance as well as uh, grip in those. This works at rubber level as well as uh, to the entire uh, tire system, uh, which is casing plus rubber plus uh, all the uh, thicknesses of the single uh, components. So in that sense, the tubeless has less of that because there is not the deformation, so the energy absorption of the inner tube itself. And there is not even the friction between the two. So there are two levels of energy involved in here with an inner tube. One is the energy needed to deform the inner tube itself. And then there is a friction between the inner tube and the casing outside, which is again taking out energy from the system, which results in less rolling resistance. And, and basically, you know, there's, a, there's sort of a common misconception uh, when it comes to tires is that you know, a lot of riders think that if I run skinnier tires and a higher pressure, I'm going to have less rolling resistance and be faster. But as it turns out, that's exactly the opposite of what's true. Can you explain why and, and how tubeless actually helps uh, lower rolling resistance? The skinnier and the harder the tire, the lower the rolling resistance, stay true only on a certain condition, which is far from the real world. But it's, is it true? I mean, uh, it's not that we have to say that it's not true. It, it's a real and true statement on, uh, let me say, almost only laboratory conditions where you have a perfectly smooth surface. That's the point. In real world, the only thing which, go, which goes a little closer, closer to that is the track, indoor track riding, where the, the pavé and all pavés or the, the wood, it's so well treated. Uh, and slick that you are uh, you go close to the ideal conditions where skinnier tires and hard uh, inflate impression provide a minimal contact patch and so you have a very very little deformation and in fact on the track uh, riders they still uh, 
pump up tubulars to uh, 10, uh, 12 bars. So in PSI, it's uh, up to 200, I think. The real world is far from uh, uh, being uh, with the smooth tarmac. So in that condition, even if you take uh, as what is called a smooth tarmac, it's very from, far from the real uh, smoothness that you need to replicate those conditions. So in, in that sense, the deflection of the tires is the main uh, driver in terms of energy consumption. And a tire which deforms consuming less energy, it's rolling faster. And so the tubeless, because there is not the inner tube, is consuming less energy in the deformation. And as a result, it's faster and also conform better to the, to the roughness of the road, providing more grip and absorbing more of the vibration, which usually are transferred to the body. So it's fatigue at the end. So that's uh, one of the many topics why there is less energy waste involved in a tubeless setup. I mean, a really simplified non-engineering way of saying this is that a tire at higher pressure uh, is going to, I mean, both tires, any tire is going to encounter obstacles, however small or large they are. And a tire at higher pressure, when it encounters that obstacle, you have to expend more energy getting essentially up and over that obstacle than you would at a lower pressure uh, you, you're going to expend less energy getting that tire up and over that obstacle because the tire can deform around it, essentially. Um, and that means you're expending less energy. It means that less of that road chatter is coming into your body, which means less fatigue. Uh, and there, there was an interesting one that you just mentioned there, which I think is, is important to note, is that the contact patch, which is the, the, the part of your tire that it con connects with the ground at any given time, has a very different shape on a high pressure narrow tire than it does at a lower pressure wide tire. So on a lower pressure wider tire, your, your contact patch is actually going to be wider and skinny. Uh, whereas uh, on, a, on a high pressure tire, it's going to be longer and skinny. So what, what's the difference there? What is that? Why does that matter? It goes in a, trying to make it simple, wider and shorter, it means that you have uh, uh, more contact on the lateral way, which intuitively uh, it's really to grip. When you do the corners, you go from side to side, you have uh, a wider contact patch in that direction, while it's shorter in your uh, moving forward direction, which is the rolling. And the other way around, it is uh, where you have a, a narrow tire, where you have more contact patch, that means more friction, into your moving direction and you have less on the lateral which is when you need to turn which is great so a, a tubeless tire which allows for lower tire pressures is going to give you better grip while cornering uh, and less contact patch in the forward direction so that you're not getting more friction and more uh, drag essentially between between from the contact patch so it's optimizing your contact patch in, in, in essence um, and to to basically give you all the benefits with far less of the the the, uh, the negative aspects of a contact patch in general, you can't get around a contact patch. It's impossible, right? You need that contact patch, so you might as well optimize it for the things that you're realistically going to do on a bike. Uh, and that means cornering. That means uh, you know reducing rolling resistance in the forward direction. So again, uh, it, you know, if we're going to answer the question simply, is tubeless faster? Um, the answer is potentially yes. 
uh, as long as all, you know, the factors sort of come together, which is a good tire with a, a fast compound, uh, the right tire pressure for your weight, uh, and, and a proper setup. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking to, to save some time and some, you know, a couple of Watts here and there, tubeless is definitely worth the, the investment. However, there are two things I think that hold back people from investing in tubeless. And one is the, 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 the question, is it heavier? And the other is, is it safe? Uh, so let's start with, is it safe? Because I think we've already touched on that a little bit. I think people have a preconceived notion that a tubeless tire is somehow, uh, more prone to blowing off the rim. Is that, is that true or false? It's technically false. Basically, in the moment you stay within the, uh, the given rules of making tubeless, and that's the important thing, and the only one I would say related to safety, in the moment you are sure that you are buying equipment which are uh, designed and manufactured within the tolerances, uh, then they are safe. They are as safe as uh, any other ones. I would say even more, because you are going to get less uh, punctures, uh, which is related to your safety at the end. So you reduce the, the chances to get punctures, so they are even more safe in that sense. But from a pure construction standpoint, you also have, uh, uh, on average, a stronger tire, because of uh, what I mentioned at the beginning. I mean, the casing has to be stronger to help retaining the air by itself. So you usually see from manufacturers uh, uh, added layers of materials, which makes the tire even more reliable and so even safer, uh, I would say. The only worry has to be about uh, uh, the manufacturing uh, tolerances. Uh, buy something which is trusted and well done, and uh, you're going to sleep well at night. And I, I guess another question that I hear frequently is, uh, you know, I love my tubular tires because when I get a flat, I can keep riding. Well, to me as an everyday rider, that's not really a big concern because I'm just going to stop and change my tire anyway. Uh, but can you run a tubeless tire flat? You know, if I'm in a race situation and, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's talk specifically about the pros because I think the pros are the ones that are actually going to encounter this uh, more than anyone else. Um, if I get a puncture and my tire goes flat, um, can I keep rolling on that tire while I'm waiting for the team car to come and give me a new wheel? Uh, yes, there are two levels of reply here. Uh, one is uh, um, related uh, to the fact that the tubeless has uh, tighter tolerances that we mentioned before. So there are uh, less chances of the bead to come off the rim because it's tighter in the rim. Uh, so and that is in respect to the tube type tires so me as an average this is not for the pro of course but for us uh, average consumers which are, are probably thinking to switch from tube type to tubeless you know that uh, you are going to get a, a tire which uh, is tighter onto the rim so it's less prone to come to comes out even at flat uh, at round flat and that's one point uh, for the pro, the thing is uh, a little. Uh, no, and then there are the tire inserts, which is uh, which is another uh, news of last uh, last times. I mean, we are seeing them uh, more frequently used in the mountain bikes and now coming to road. The insert, certain type of inserts, can help uh, the bit to stay in place uh, even at uh, a round flat. Uh, and that's, uh, I can say, that's the area where the pro 
riders are, uh, and that we are testing also with our Apple riders, which are using the tubeless. I mean, if we talk about Piran in specific, we are very, I mean, uh, we are very good at that. I mean, we are having mm, riders uh, and uh, I'm laughing a little bit because, of course, uh, I have to say that uh, we are good, but uh, it's, it's, it's a reality. I mean, we just ended up the uh, white gravel uh, geo stage yesterday with all our riders on tubeless without any flat and running in the, in the front group. So. Uh, it's really where we are pushing the most, uh, uh, mainly because of our our automotive background. We we believe uh, a lot in tubeless, and so we are pushing that one uh, a lot. Uh, so inserts, are, I would say, are uh, an option if you are racing. Uh, that makes uh, sense. They have some uh, advantages and some disadvantages, but I would say that uh, I think that in the next couple of years they will become more advantages than than not. All right. So the final concern I think most people have is, you know, while you are eliminating an inner tube, you are adding things like sealant. You do have to either tape the rim or have some way of sealing off the rim. So is tubeless in general heavier than clincher setups with an inner tube? Uh, here, I mean, the answer is more difficult because you have to consider all the different options that you have in the market. So if you cross-match uh, tires and rims uh, with all the brands, all the models. Uh, it's very frequent that you can have uh, not necessarily a lightweight option. But on the other side, it's uh, perfectly true that you can build now a setup uh, and a combination of rim uh, and tubeless tires which are uh, light, as lightweight as uh, tubulars or even lighter in some cases. The reality that we are seeing, especially from the Pro, uh, it's that uh, uh, on the all-round level of performances that they want at the end, so without going too extreme on either the weight or the reliability, now with the new models that are being introduced from the brands that are supplying the World Tour teams, we are getting the same weight where the tubulars are which doesn't mean the lightest weight that the tubular can get, but the weight of the tubulars which are used in the real races of the World Tour, which are not the lightest available in the market. The Pro, and that's a point, the Pro, they are not meant about the weight. Only the GC rider, let me say, the climbers. Those they are, but all the other 80% of the bunch uh, they don't care about uh, two or three hundred grams difference. They care a lot more about aerodynamics and rolling resistance and not getting punctures. And just before we wrap this up, uh, I, I think there is a note to be made about aerodynamics uh, regarding tubeless setups because, uh, again, a hookless rim is the more common choice now for tubeless systems, uh, which means the tire shape changes slightly. Um, is that more aerodynamic than, than having a hooked rim and, and why? You cannot have uh, one single last one in here because uh, you know how much the aerodynamics is influenced uh, between the different components. So it's something that you have to test and reply case by case. Uh, it is true that the hookless uh, rim uh, influences the shape of the tire, so the profile, the, the direction the sidewall comes out from the rim changes a little bit and that can influence the aerodynamic. We are talking about uh, tiny margins, of course, which uh, for the pro riders count. For us, 
it's subjective. I mean, it's totally subjective. I have, I am one of those who like and want to be sure that uh, all my slow speed comes from my body and not from, from the equipment I'm using. So, and this is regardless how fast I am not. Uh, but it's totally subjective. I mean, there are, as I say, there are professional riders that doesn't care about two or three hundred grams and a couple of watts more of aerodynamics, even though generally they they stay a lot they put a lot of attention on aerodynamics even more than rolling i would say is there anything that we didn't touch upon uh that our listeners should know about road tubeless that would influence their decision to make that commitment i think it's just worth to spend a couple of words about the mounting procedure which is something that everybody can learn and that scares a lot of people which is still fundamental in the approach you can have with a tubeless do it right and invest your 10 minutes to look over the internet to a good uh, uh, clinics on how to set up, uh, how to mount a tire, which is something that will help you in your garage as well as on the side of the roads, even with two types tires. I mean, the right procedure to mount is fundamental to get it right and uh, to have a nice experience. Once you do that, which is the only uh, drawback of tubeless, because they are slightly tighter, then you are sold to the technology. You are not going to come back anymore. And the, the only guys I know that uh, are coming back, it, it's because they had a puncture and they didn't know how to mount a tire, which is true also for tube type. If you do not know how to mount it, it's hard to mount even a tube type tire. So make sure to invest those five minutes to learn that and it will make your cycling life easier. And so you're ready for the tubeless. And, and as a, I mean, for whatever it's worth to you all listening, I went to tubeless, uh, about a year and a half ago exclusively and have had all, all, no problems at all. I don't even think I've had uh, a roadside repair that I've needed to do. And, and I'm fairly convinced I've had punctures in the, that time, but I think the sealant has sealed it, sealed it up and I just didn't know I had a puncture. Um, so I've been riding it and it's been reliable. It's been, uh, I've, I've gotten all the advantages of tubeless from lower res rolling resistance, lower tire pressures, better cornering. Uh, so personally I'm, I'm sold on it, um, which isn't to say I, you know, I'm not turning my nose up at tubes, but, um, I think there's, there's a lot of misinformation about there about the reliability of tubeless and, uh, in my personal experience for what it's worth. Uh, I've had a great experience with it, and uh, and and I think we're going to hear more and more of that as tubeless sort of grows into the space. Um, Sam, thank you very much for joining me and taking some time all the way from Italy. Uh, I appreciate it, and uh, and it's been a it's been a fascinating talk. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks to you for the opportunity to talk about this topic, which is really really interesting and very uh, useful for everybody to listen to. I, I completely agree. And if, and I'm sure a lot of you still have questions. So if you have any questions that you want to ask me specifically, you can find me on social media at Brown Tie Dan. Uh, you could of course uh, reach out to Rulor Magazine at Rulor Magazine on Instagram and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And if you've got uh, questions uh, that you'd like us to answer on this podcast, we would love to hear those too. Uh, and, and feedback is always lovely. Uh, so please do feel free to reach out to us and tell us what you think. Uh, Sam, thank you once again and to all of you listening thanks for uh for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.